It was a 100% washout at Spa for the Belgian Grand Prix. So this is going to be a short podcast. Hi, I'm Tony D. It is the Overtake F1 podcast. There was no racing, despite what the FIA says. No race. So this is not really a race review, but we will discuss the circumstances that led Formula One to leave Belgium with an event in the books. All right, a reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we do. Also, like our Facebook page, the Overtake F1 podcast. You can leave comments, especially after the this because there's a lot of controversy surrounding the Belgian Grand Prix. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to reach the show for any reason, you can email us at the overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up at Twitter uh, at Tony D radio. All right. So we got a lot to unpack here, even though there was no race. I, like I said, a lot of controversy, a lot of discussion on the circumstances that surrounded Sunday at spa. This was a terrible weekend for formula one. The summer break occurred. And then there was a lot of buildup into the return of round 12. But Mother Nature didn't cooperate, and Mother Nature sometimes doesn't cooperate when you are racing. That's just the way it is. doesn't matter what series that you're in. Rain poured down on the track. It was a 3 p.m. local start time, and it did not provide a weather window, so the race was technically delayed. Cars went out for a lap behind the safety car. It was too much. The visibility was too low, so they parked it. Hours later, they went around again a few times, still too risky, so the race was canceled, except it wasn't canceled, right? I mean, you would normally assume that it was canceled, but it wasn't because it just appeared that way. I mean, they went around behind a safety car and they didn't really race and then they weren't going to race for the day. But according to the rules, this was an event. The Belgian Grand Prix was an event. Three laps were completed, thus a winner could be declared. And then all the drivers who finished in the top 10 got half the points that are normally awarded at a Grand Prix. So what you ended up having was Max Verstappen got 12 and a half points for winning a race that didn't actually take place. He just started from the pole position. George Russell, who qualified second, finished second. Lewis Hamilton third. The championship lead now heading into the Dutch Grand Prix is just three points. So there was a celebration on the podium. There was sparkling wine sprayed all over the place. And now we move on to Zandvoort. So what do we make of all this? First of all, let's make it clear. This race cannot be run, right? There, there, no one is arguing that it should have been run, right? Nobody. This weather was really, really treacherous. So Verstappen is leading the field because he started on the pole position and he's, he can see he's the one, he's one of the drivers that can see everyone else can't see a thing. There is so much spray that coming off the back running at the slower speeds of the Grand Prix. They can't see anything. So this race should not have been called at all. I mean, imagine cars blindly racing through all Rouge and then riding on to the Kimmel straight and there's zero visibility, nothing. This is chaotic. It would have been extremely dangerous uh, in 71 years of Formula One racing with over 1,000 Grand Prix in the books, this is, this is the first time this has ever happened. So was this the right call to leave Spa with an event in the books with half points awarded and no actual competitive laps? A podium just after three safety car laps? All right, so I think the criticism that Formula One waited and waited until they could get back out there to complete the minimum laps is a bit warranted, all right? Even though the motivation wasn't there. It's, it's kind of warranted. They could have run more laps at the start of the race when they had the cars originally out there. They could have gotten the minimum number of laps in the books and then it opens you up to be able to call it quicker or you know just say, look, we ran the minimum laps. We don't need to wait four hours to see if there's a window because if you're checking the radar and there's no window, you can at least get people out of there without hang, having them hang on for a race that is actually you know is not going to run based on the weather patterns. But I understand, look, if 
mother nature is tricky, right? The weather patterns may not may show something and then actual it, it shifts and it changes. So you try to give it as much time as you can, but it does look a little suspicious that they wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. Then they send the cars back out there. They're not making really any notification. They're just sort of sending cars out there. People are thinking, Oh, maybe they'll actually get this underway. And then it's just to get the minimum number of laps in. So you can declare it an event and then move on. So I get the suspicion of why people are looking at Formula One and saying, wow, this was a really tough business decision that they made to send the cars back out there over three hours later just to call it an event. But the weather at Spa was terrible. The rain and wind were way too strong. Uh, Sergio Perez lost control. He went to the wall just before the scheduled start time. When the rain cleared up a bit, the track was still way too wet, and the cars were creating tremendous amounts of spray, and that wasn't even at race speed. Michael Massey, and, and listen, I've had criticisms of Michael Massey before, but he had a really, really tough decision as the day went on. He's looking over the weather radars. The reports are coming in. He's fielding team questions. This is really, really tough. Now, now, it was the right call not to hold a Grand Prix. So where's the controversy? Okay, could they have raced on Monday? Now, this question was brought up throughout the broadcast, and they brought it up a number of times. They talked to drivers. They talked to team principals. The logistics of that scenario are a little bit complex, right? For starters, running a Grand Prix or any race, NASCAR, IndyCar, anywhere, it takes a lot of people. And racing on a Monday, the start of the work week, doesn't guarantee that those who volunteered to come or, or, or at least were available to, to be uh, during the Grand Prix weekend would have been available on Monday. Now, Formula One CEO Stefano Domenicali said that the Monday running was discussed, but then it was ruled out because of the availability of the marshals. Another reason is a tight schedule. Now, okay, so the sport is only moving to the Netherlands for this weekend's Dutch Grand Prix, but it still does put a strain on the teams to pack up on Monday after a Grand Prix and then unpack at Zandvoort in time for the race weekend that's coming up. So it's a really, really tight window. It's not like they had a weekend off to sort of figure out the logistics of this. So even if you could get enough marshals back, you're asking the teams to take down all of these stuff, pack it all up, get it to the Netherlands, and you're a day and a half behind, essentially. All right. If you run a few laps and it's not actually a race, can you give refunds? Now, Domenicali had said both Formula One and the track organizers are working on a plan for some sort of compensation for fans who got no race on Sunday. Now, as of this podcast, that's not happened, so by the time you listen to this, maybe there'll be a plan in place. It's a bit more complex, complicated than just handing over money. The organizers are the ones that sold the tickets. But I agree with Lewis Hamilton on this one, and I was actually really glad that he said this after the race was declared an event. He knows that what he says has some significant power, and he's telling a worldwide audience that fans deserved a refund. So now you have a lot of people around the world that might just pay attention to what is going on there just to make sure that refunds were actually going to take place. There might be more follow-up on this story to see if fans actually did get something for not getting a race on Sunday. Now listen, I I'm no expert on this. I I've been around sports my whole career. I'm no experts on how refunds and tickets work, but I think either a refund or an offer of a Grand Prix ticket for 2022 is what I would offer. The race is being declared an event actually means that fans aren't entitled to one, but that's a legal technicality, right? The right call is to do something for them, all right? Even though you don't have to, the right call is to do something for them. And Domenicali says that both of the entities are currently working on that. All right, so let's continue. What about the points? Half points, that is, all right? I, this didn't sit well with me. Now, I really disliked most of the podium celebration on Sunday. I thought it was kind of out of place. I don't know about you, but I kind of thought it was out of place. 
Now, fans who stuck around for hours were angry. They did not see a race. I don't care if it was three laps behind a safety car and it's an event. They didn't see a race. They saw a bunch of cars riding around behind a safety car. And for these three drivers to spray bottles up on a podium is just weird. All right. It was just weird. Now, I will say this, George Russell being genuinely happy, fist pumping his podium spot, that was cool. He had one of the greatest qualifying laps I have ever seen, ever. It was remarkable. He put a Williams on the front row in the wet, out qualifying Lewis Hamilton on Saturday. This is one of the greatest qualifying laps ever. I can't repeat that enough. And, and, this was a time to celebrate that accomplishment. And I'm not going to take that away from him. All right. I root hard for Russell. If you've listened to this podcast, I, I was waiting for him to finally get some points. I was very happy when he finally did it hungry. I know he's just been heartbroken so many times, so I'm not going to take this moment away from him. And, and I'll be honest with you, as much as I like George Russell and I kind of secretly hope Williams does well. If we ran 44 laps at Spa, you think he would have held off the rest of the field? Like even he said afterwards that their analysis was they had the 17th, 16th, 17th best car. He wasn't going to hold off the rest of the pack. He wasn't going to finish on the podium if they had gotten this race in. So I'm not going to take this away from him. He gets to spray the bottles. He gets to celebrate. I'm going to let him do that. However, uh, I, it just still felt out of place to see Max and Lewis up there and just being like, well, what are we doing? You know, we didn't even race and we're up here celebrating race wins. Okay. Now giving half points out to drivers who qualified in the top 10. All right. That's silly. All right. That is absolutely silly. Sebastian Vettel called this a joke and it was his point, And it's pretty valid. If you're going to give out points for qualifying, then just reward qualifying all season long. I mean, that's basically what they did outside of Sergio Perez losing it on the, on the uh, first lap there, you know, they were on the first formation lap and sort of moving the grid up. This was a, Hey, you qualified. Well, here's some half points. Enjoy. That's really what this was. I didn't like it when there were points given for the sprint qualifying race at Silverstone. And I don't like half points here. There was no racing. All right. So why do drivers get points at all? Now I want to make this clear. This has been done before. Monaco had a half point race in the eighties. Uh, let's see. I think Alain Prost won that one. You have Australia in the early nineties. That was won by Ayrton Senna, 91. They had half points, but in those races, and there were a number of those that have occurred in the sports history, there was actually racing done. There was actual racing. It may have been called short. And in one case, I think 14 laps were in the books, right? But at least there were competitive laps. All right. So you can say, look, we tried it. We had some comp competition. So now we're going to give the reward for that competition, even if it's not complete. This was not that. All right. Like I said, this is the first time this has ever happened where a race was called and there was no racing done at all. There was none. And this was the first time in 70 years and over a thousand Grand Prix that that actually took place. So I don't think no point should have been awarded yesterday. Want to do a podium? Fine. I hated that, but no worry about it. it all right. We'll move on. But points, we're talking about world championship points here. World championship points, right? The winner of this is a world champion, and we're awarding points for a race there was no racing done. I don't care if it was qualifying. That is a different beast. We're talking about actual racing cars, and none, none of that happened, and we're giving championship points for that. It's the same argument I made when I was vocal about sprint qualifying races getting points. This is not what the points are for. 
right? They're not gimmicky. I don't like fastest lap points either. I, 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 but at least in that context, fastest lap is in the racing umbrella. It's in the Grand Prix umbrella, right? This is not that. There was no racing done. Carlos Sainz got half a point. He said he did nothing to deserve this. I agree. It's silly. It could affect the championship. All right, the real sadness, though, for me was seeing that some of my radio audience, and I do a morning radio, sports radio show here in the United States, I, I, I had radio audience members, I had some friends that were just starting to get into Formula One, and they were really excited about the return of the sport. They may have watched one or two races, or none at all. They had just gotten into it, and now they were excited to see it, and this is what they got. Right. They, this is this is the mess that they got to have the potential for a new audience coming out of the summer break and to hand them this. It's it's a bad look and it's not the weather. Don't get me wrong. It's not the weather. New fans. I don't care if you're new to racing or not. You get rainouts. Rainouts occur in almost all, all sports. Right. Except for NFL football. But even when there's lightning, they, they postpone and they pause and they go away until it's clear. Uh, this was. It was just the whole spectacle of it. It was the waiting, the tease with the cars back out three hours later. It was the podium ceremony. Again, championship points awarded. You got Hamilton and the media calling for refunds. It was just kind of, I don't know, icky. <laughs> this is the best way to put it. All right, so here's to great weather at Zanvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix coming up this weekend. All right, quickly, we're going to get some news and notes, uh, and then we're going to wrap up this podcast. Like I told you, it's a short one, but if there's one thing I am, it's consistent. I am going to throw a podcast out even if there's no race for a race review. Um, here's some news and notes. I speculated on the podcast last week, and I, I launched it Thursday, just before the Grand Prix weekend, about Red Bull and the second seat, right? We were talking about Valtteri Bottas and possibly being replaced by George Russell, and if, how does Red Bull respond to that move if indeed it is made? Uh, no sooner did I say that, that they signed Sergio Perez for 2022. And this is fantastic because Mercedes is likely to make the change to George Russell. Red Bull went with consistency rather than trying to find another driver to pair with Max Verstappen. Checo has had an up and down season. There's no question about that, but he does have a victory at Baku and he's probably been the better teammate than Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon. So I think the team made the right choice in keeping Checo around. I think this is the right call. Uh, also, the sport, the Formula One calendar is trimming down in 2021, no longer going 23 races. It is now down to 22. This stems from the cancellation of the Japanese Grand Prix that is going, was supposed to occur later this fall. Australia was canceled earlier this year. Singapore and the Canadian Grand Prix also canceled. But those there were replacements that were put into place, Turkey, for example. But the second half of the season is going to be dicey. Pay attention to this. The Turkish Grand Prix is in danger because of the UK red travel list. Seven of the of the 10 Formula One teams are based in Great Britain. Keep an eye out for this development. I would miss it. I love Istanbul Park. I love the Turkish Grand Prix. I would hope it, it runs. But again, because it's on the red travel list and there's complications with that due to COVID-19, that is tricky at best right now. Even Austin could be a problem. Now, listen, I firmly believe they will run at the Circuit of the Americas come hell or high water in Texas, right? But the sports executives could still see COVID numbers there and decide that it's in the best interest to cancel it. But I do think that this race is safe. It's just been talked about, possibly discussed, maybe thrown out there as clickbait. I don't know. But there is a conversation that Austin could be in trouble. But 
If I had two choices, one that Austin would be canceled or two Austin hosting two races to make up for a cancellation, I'd buy the two races before I buy a cancellation in Texas. Okay. That's just the way I am. Um, but Mexico and Brazil that are on the calendar for this fall, it's a different story. Again, these races are, are in a precarious, precarious situation. It does appear that Qatar will be hosting a race that could replace Australia. It would take place in Doha. They run the Moto Grand Prix there but they've never hosted an F1 race before. So pay attention to this schedule changes. We're Right now it's 22 and they're locking into that. It could be less as the season goes along. We just don't know. We're kind of wide open on the calendar. All right, Zandvoort coming up this weekend. The Dutch Grand Prix returning for the first time since 1985. It was won by Nicky Lauda. I'm so looking forward to the running of this track. It is a beautiful setup right off the coast. Uh, it's Max Verstappen's home race. I'm excited for it. I hope we get sunny weather because I want to get back to Grand Prix racing, and I know you do too. Once again, subscribe to the podcast. Like us. Give us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. It is our first year of putting this together. So again, we are staying consistent, putting out a review, even though there was no race to review. Like us on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. Hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. Later on this week, we will have a preview of the Dutch Grand Prix that should be exciting because we haven't had one in a very, very, very long time. So we'll give you a track talk, news and notes, et cetera, et cetera. Normally, I do a top five, bottom five after the races, but I ain't doing that because there was nothing really to top five, bottom five about. I couldn't care less that there was no race, no top five, bottom five. All right, this is Tony D. Thanks for listening. I know it was short. Glad you stayed with us. This is the Overtake F1 Podcast.